Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ten out of ten. Nothing personal. Fraction of the day is ten out of ten. Started back in the Bo Derek days, a perfect ten, and it's continued to represent how you get graded in diving competitions, gymnastics competitions. Ten out of ten. That is the interview score given by Sandy Alderson, the president of the New York Mets, to Buck Showalter, their new manager, who just got hired and had his opening press conference uh, yesterday. And Sandy Alderson said, it is a close to 10 out of 10 as I've seen. And then Showalter took the microphone. It was on Zoom. He was with his wife. They were all wearing Mets blue. It was a kumbaya moment. And I wanted to get to you to let you know a few things going on behind the scenes of the New York Metropolitans that will make you smile on a random Wednesday morning, December 22nd, 2021. This show could be a solid 7 out of 10, maybe a 10 out of 10. I just watched uh, Silver Linings Playbook last night. That was my middle of the night movie. And at the end of the movie, there's a dance scene between Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Bradley Cooper, and they are competing for the second half of a parlay with Robert De Niro has a bet. He's the father of Bradley Cooper. And Jackie Weaver, who is Coca, Jackie Weaver is Bradley Cooper's mother in Silver Lines Playbook, and she plays the head of that equity firm in Yellowstone. I knew she looked familiar. I couldn't place it, and then boom, there she was on Silver Linings Playbook. So I'm watching that in the middle of the night. I go walking in my sleep and they needed a 5.0 and they do a dance and it's sort of funny and a little awkward and they don't get the Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Gray swan move right and Bradley Cooper's face ends up right in Jennifer Lawrence's sort of nether region and 4.8, 4.9, 4.8 and then one judge does a 5.4 for an average of 5.0 and they go crazy because they won the parlay for their dad and everyone lives happily ever after. I'm not sure everyone lives happily ever after all the time with bipolar and personality disorder, and I thought about that when I was watching the movie. But that said, it was a good middle-of-the-night flick, and it reminded me of what Sandy Alderson had said. So when you hire a manager, you then set up the press conference. And it's going to be a big deal in New York when you hire Buck Showalter. Any manager who they hired, it would have been a big deal. And so they plan this whole, what what can I say, sort of press conference. And the way it works is you bring in a PR person who meets with the manager, your head of communications, baseball communications, business communications, 
and you sit down and you go over some questions that are going to be asked of both Sandy and of Buck, and you have the manager give you an idea of what the answers are going to be, and it enables you to formulate in your mind what the message points are going to be that the fans are going to receive from this press conference. And that's fine. You have Billy Epler there as well. But the first decision that gets made when you're introducing a manager is who's going to be, quote unquote, at the press conference. So you had Sandy Alderson, you had Billy Epler, and you had Buck Showalter. No Steve Cohn. So owners who are not willing to own the way they are, the involvement they have, stay away from press conferences like that. Owners like Jeffrey Loria are willing to own the input they had in the managerial search. They want to be there for the good news, the exciting launch of a new manager. So those owners, and that's the majority, end up there at the press conference. Steve Cohn's trying to hide the fact that he's involved, saying, oh, I just did a second interview. I did it after the market closed, yada, 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 whatever. All right. So Sandy Alderson goes into all the qualities that Buck Showalter has. Other than being 65 and white, he does have a few other good qualities, which are that he's got experience. He was really good at communicating to us that he liked getting information, that he was old school and new school. He appreciated and approved of analytics, and he was able to have man-to-man contact and moments of clarity with players who play hard for him. He's very good with the underlings, but of course you don't use the word underling because you get canceled or it sounds so horribly class system-like. But they made a point to say that Buck likes all of the little people. Is that better? Randy Newman wouldn't think so. So all of the people in the organization, in the different departments, etc., which is code word for he gets involved in everything, which reminded me of Joe Girardi. I had flashbacks to Girardi who wanted to know what the cover of the media guide was going to be and whether or not we were going to film a certain commercial for a marketing slogan. So when you make a point of telling your fan base that, yes, he's middle-aged, and I'm going to say 65 is middle-aged, and he's the person to lead our team, he absolutely embraces analytics, you are missing the main point. The main point of Buck Showalter, if you know him, which is everyone who's been in the game knows Buck Showalter because he does have three manager of the year wins. I think he won in 94, 04, and 14, which means don't worry, Mets fans, 24 is going to be a hell of a year if you believe in numbers and analytics and anything like that. It's not really analytical, of course. It's not that Buck Showalter doesn't not embrace, that means does. It is that Buck Showalter embraces analytics. What does that mean? That means that when the front office and the analytics department brings to the manager a book, and that's what we do every game and every series. There's a book on the team you're playing. There's a chapter on every hitter, on every pitcher. You have downs and yards to go in terms of situations, football analogy for baseball. So you have every count, every pitcher in account, what hitters like to see in account, what they don't like to see in account. And then that informs you how to pitch to a player, how to hit against a pitcher, and where to defensively position yourself. All of that is correct that analytics does that, and you can use that for in-game decisions. 
But what's not mentioned in the press conference is the entire point of hiring a younger manager, a first-time manager, or a manager that's not named Buck Showalter, is what Buck Showalter does not take kindly to is hearing from the front office who to play, when to play them, and how to play them. Buck Showalter takes the information and then makes his own decisions and doesn't want to hear your input. And if you listen carefully to what Alderson and Epler said, they know very well what they're getting into. The question is, will they be able to stand their post and not get involved in a way that will have a deleterious impact on the relationship of the manager to the front office and therefore impact, in theory, the play of the team and the results of the team? No mention of the great working relationship that they will have. Buck Showalter in no place said, hey, I can't wait to be told who to play and what batting order to have. He's not that guy. So that was the first nugget that was incorrect about that press conference. Then Billy Epler says, you know, we spoke to everyone. We really dotted our I's and crossed our T's and X'd our X's. Remember, uh, who is the manager who Theo Epstein with the Cubs interviewed? I think it was Girardi before he took the Phillies job, where they had Girardi in for a 10-hour interview. They went to the movies. They went to dinner, and I laughed thinking, 10 hours? I don't want to spend 10 hours with anyone. There's no reason for it. But Billy Epler spoke to all sorts of people but made it very clear that he did not speak to any current players. Do you believe him? No. Max Scherzer went public saying, Buck Showalter's my choice. You think Epler didn't see that? You think that wasn't planned? GMs very rarely, quote unquote, speak to everyone. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say it a better way. When GMs are interviewing managers, they don't speak to anyone. They say they speak to their friends and other teams. They speak to people who know them. They do deep dives into their personality. They give IQ tests. They give Rorschach blot tests. They give COVID tests. I wonder if they do the Mad Lib test, where you give someone a Mad Lib and see what they fill in. That's a test that you can give to your manager. It was clear from minute one when this search started that all the other people interviewed was simply to follow the Selig rule. Now, Joe Espada is getting a lot of good press. I worked with him for years with the Marlins. A lot of good press. He's going to get a job. Billy Epler came out and said, oh, these are good guys. These are going to be managers going forward. They got a bunch of people in the media to say the same thing. I always thought, and I would speak to Bud Selig, hey, are we good? Are we satisfied on the Selig rule that we can hire anyone but just say? We hired very many minority managers because I didn't care, as you know. I just wanted to... I wanted to hire the best manager possible who could be fired the fastest. That was my criteria. It could be black, white, purple, pink, didn't matter. I just want to make sure that when we hire you, that we can fire you super fast when we lose four out of six in the middle of a random season where the expectations were way unrealistic. But when we were hiring Ozzie Guillen, you'd think that we could speak to anyone about Ozzie Guillen. Or Mike Redmond. We knew Mike Redmond. No reason to speak to people. Freddie Gonzalez, we had to speak to people. No. What happens is the people who are in your baseball department, which are your head of player development, your head of scouting, head of development, and your assistant GM, your GM, your president, you get together, you make a list of names, and it's basically hearsay. 
oh, yeah, you know, I, I know him. So he's a good guy. No, I think he's a good fit. That's right. He's got the right temperament. We come up with these adjectives, which is basically just confirmation bias to who we want to hire anyway. So I thought that it was interesting that the Mets hit on all of these points that were PR-based, and I give them credit. Because often I'll say that what Steve does and what the Mets do is an absolute disaster. But in this case, they held their press conference very well. But I still thought I'd tell you exactly what's true about it and what's not. But there is something about Buck when he says, I don't want to talk about the Mets. I want to win games. I want to be the team where people stay up on the West Coast till 1 in the morning looking at our great product. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they do in L.A. Man, let's watch the Mets tonight. It's the number one thing that they're doing in L.A. I want to stay up till 1 in the morning. Wait a minute. What's he talking about? I think it's the other way. When the Mets are in L.A., he wants the New Yorkers who are watching the team to stay up till 1 o'clock and be happy with the product they're seeing. What do fans want? I was thinking about what fans want because I didn't spend much time thinking about that back in the day. And really, it comes down to one thing. They're okay with the various scandals. They're okay with the various arrests. They just want a winning team. Seems pretty easy, right? Because winning covers all ills. And so Buck said, we're just going to go out there and we're going to be prepared and we're going to win games. Okay. Here's the problem with the Mets. They're getting all this credit. They have the fourth best odds of winning the World Series next year, if you want to do a futures bet, which is pretty good. They signed these players... This offseason, they brought in Scherzer, which was good. They've got DeGrom coming back, is he? They've got Scherzer signed for a fortune. Is he ready to go? Maybe. They still have Pete Alonso. You know they have Lindor. They didn't have Baez back. Unlikely they'll get Conforto back, not missing much. So what exactly about this team makes you think that they have made up ground on anyone in the National League East? Let's think about that. How have they gotten so much better? Because of Buck Showalter? Because of 30? How old is Scherzer? I think Verlander's playing at 39. Coco, what is Scherzer? Going to play at 37? 38? 36? Somewhere after double high. He's older than that. And 37, he's playing 37, Coco? Oh, no. He's actually going to play at 38. He turns 38 in July. That's right on the edge. When we would for... That's funny, Coco. When we would want to say that a player is younger than he is because we wanted people to think that he's not over the hill, we would say he's going to play 37 because that's how old he is at the start of the season. But really, the way we did it internally is that if you're turning an age at any point in the season, you're playing at that advanced age. So he turns 38 in July, so it's he's going to play 38. That's not young. And Scherzer doesn't do steroids. So... I want to give you a wait to see. And the wait to see is this. The New York Mets will win under 85 games next season. I'm sorry to all the Mets fans out there, but I would like you just to be aware that the Mets are incredibly overrated because of the excitement of the name and the excitement of winning the offseason. The problem is, as you very well know, as a nothing personal fan, winning the offseason is not correlated at all. Maybe it's inversely correlated to winning during the regular season. So wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And when it happens, we revisit it. When it doesn't, we revisit it. Either way, we will revisit it. Mets win under 85 games. 
I want to touch on a few wait to sees. I was going through the document. Coco was gone. He was in Europe for seven weeks. So I completely not kept up with the wait to sees, and that's wrong. And I know this is his least favorite thing to do in a show, but many of you have contacted me on Twitter, David P. Sampson, or on Instagram, and told me that you like when I catch you up on wait to sees. So I've got a bunch. All the way back in October of 2020, that's over a year ago, I told you I revisit on October 14, 2020, after the Yankees must have been eliminated, I said Cashman is last year in New York as GM will be 2021. I'm positive that the Yankees were not going to do well in 21, which they didn't. And I thought that Brennan would get Cashman, which he didn't. That's a no. On my birthday this February 26th, 2021, for whatever reason, there was a store Minnesota Timberwolves hired their coach. And remember what happened. There was a huge issue with the NBA Coaching Association because they didn't interview any minorities. And I said, the NBA is going to take advantage of this and find the Timberwolves for their search process. The NBA did not. Instead, the NBA fined them 250 grand for that A-Rod practice that he held off-season with the T-Wolves. Remember that? So I'd like to take a half win on that, but I can't. The Wolves were not fined for their head coaching process. In March of 21, March 23rd, if you go back to that show, we talked about the New England Patriots this season. And I, after the Bucs had won the Super Bowl, and I'd gotten convinced that, in fact, the Brady was the reason for the success of the Patriots. I said the Patriots are not going to win nine games in 2021. I've got a confession to make. I had forgotten at that point that there were 17 games. So I was saying that the Patriots would have to go eight and nine to win that way to see. doesn't matter. They're nine to five right now. So I got that wrong. They did win nine games in 2021. I do have another way to see on the Patriots winning the AFC East. We'll see how that goes. Do you remember that director of a movie that we talked about? His name is Joss Whedon. We did that on an April 7th, 21st, uh, 2021 show. Joss Whedon was the director who got accused of onset issues and got canceled, basically. And I said he's not going to direct a movie in 2021. He did not. That was correct. What about June 2nd of 21? Remember that day when Major League Baseball pulled the All-Star game from Atlanta? Remember over the voting, the restrictive voting laws that were put in place, which of course exist in so many other states, but baseball was under pressure and you thought it was because of baseball's wokeness and their political nature. And I said to you at the time, no, no, they took it out of Atlanta because at the time the players had called and said, we're not showing up. So what choice did he have? And there was a lawsuit that was filed by the small businesses in Atlanta saying, you took away our all-star game. We're missing all of those profits. You owe us that money. And I laughed. I said, that lawsuit has no chance. Well, that lawsuit was dropped. So that wait to see was a yes. Then on October 5th, I had a very good epiphany about the Mets managerial search. I gave you a wait to see on October 5th that Buck Showalter will not be the Mets manager. And then I doubled down on December 15th and said, Buck Showalter will be the Mets manager. <laughs> Coca never would have let me get away with that. He was in Europe, though. So the October 5th one, wrong. The December 15th one, right. Not that impressive. Showalter is the manager. The Mets will win under 85 games. You just wait to see.
How about what's going on in Buffalo? The Buffalo Bills just announced. I, I got COVID tested today, Coca. I went this morning, got a COVID test in New York City, and it was a gnat test where they stick a gnat up your nose and they look for an animal of some sort. They pull it out, and I'm negative, which is good. It means I can travel. I have to upload. What did they do before this internet thing? I have to upload like a document, buy COVID insurance in case I get COVID where I'm going, then I have to stay, yada, yada, yada. So the Buffalo Bills are dealing with COVID. Everybody's dealing with COVID right now because everyone seems to be testing positive. And they took a stand today. The Bills announced a new COVID policy that all fans five and older have to present vaccination status to show up to the game. And I like that. I really do. And the reason I like that policy is that I understand if you're an anti-vaxxer that you're worried about your kid, you're worried about yourself, you're worried about the long-term effects. I don't agree with that, but I understand if you are. But still, when I go to a sporting event or to a restaurant, in New York City or to anywhere else or any sort of environment, I want to be around other vaccinated people. Not because I want to be around people like me. That's not the case at all. Don't make an issue of this. I just don't have to worry. Now, vaccinated people are getting this new COVID, this Omicron variant. But if you're vaccinated, it's like a cold, basically. You get a little scratchy throat. You don't even lose your taste and smell. What a bunch of wussies, people who get COVID now, they don't even lose their taste and smell. I thought mine was coming back. Quick update on taste and smell. Uh, I'm still not tasting my candy. There's certain things I'm smelling and tasting, but it's, I'd say, 6% back. And January 20th will be a year. I've got under a month to go. And the doctors told me if I'm not over 50%, because I first was told if you don't have it back within a year, then it's gone forever. Then I was told, hey, if it starts to come back, that means it's coming back. But mine started to come back long enough ago. I went back to a doctor and they said, ooh, you're one of those people. One of those people means that if you're not over 50% as of a year of your diagnosis, which was January 20th of 21, then you have a problem. So I'm acting like I'm not scared, but I am. I'm not scared. That's not true. I'm not scared. I'm disappointed. I'm tired of eating at good restaurants and ordering the wrong thing having it taste like crap. I'm tired of my daily candy intake where I can't tell the difference between a candy corn and a good and plenty or a black jelly bean and a red jelly bean or a spice drop for crying out loud. I only know it's a spice drop from crinkling the sugar on it. What a disaster. So, <sighs> New York's pretty ahead of the game here, aren't they, in terms of COVID? I mean, everyone's getting it, but they certainly have good rules. In the city, you have to, uh, you have to, be show a vaccination card to go into a restaurant. It's not the case in other parts of New York. So everyone now has an opinion on the Omicron and on COVID and on whether or not we should be tested. The leagues are all deciding what to do. As you know, the NHL paused for a few days. We know the NFL changed their policy of testing. They're really going to mostly test vaccinated people, uh, unvaccinated people. If you're vaccinated without symptoms, you're pretty much good to go. So if you have a rule in place that you have to be vaccinated five and above, that's totally fine. Makes sense. And that was in response to 
New York's general vaccination requirement. Here's the problem. What happens when a player's child is unvaccinated? Do they not get to go to the game? Are there exceptions? Because players don't go in the regular way. They don't have to show proof of vax, vax, right? If you're a fan, you have to do it when you go through the turnstiles. So I wonder if players and their kids who are not vaxxed will be an exception to that rule. I'm going to say yes. But one thing that our country still has a small problem is that for whatever reason, there's still people out there who are practicing medicine without a license. There's still people out there who believe that the science is not being accurately portrayed or explained. Forget the fact that Beasley, the great anti-vaxxer, is, now has COVID. He's an NFL player. I want to talk for a minute about our man, Aaron Rodgers, the winning quarterback in Baltimore, a 31-30 game. He is a front runner, if not the front runner now, Coca. Does he have the best odds for MVP? I think he has to, right? Because he's, I, oh my God, Coca. I have a wait to see that Rodgers wins the MVP. And that was before the season even started when he was still fighting with the Packers. I don't remember what day that is, but I think Rodgers is the favorite. And if he finishes out, he's going to win back-to-back MVPs. He needs to win another Super Bowl with the Packers to really pass Favre, in my opinion, but he's getting close. But the one thing about Rodgers that's, I don't uh, generally genuflect toward my athletes. They're not my heroes. I know athletes. I've been around them for so long. I recognize they're just human beings. They're as infallible as you and I are. They just have a skill that we don't have, but believe me, we have skills they don't have. So Aaron Rodgers goes on the Pat McAfee show once a week and just continues to double down on the insanity that is so reminiscent of John Lennon and Yoko Ono from the Get Back documentary. It is so obvious to me what's happening that he's being seduced by Shalene and certain parts of her body, I would imagine. I can't say that on the air, but it ends with whipped. He came out and said that that treatment, that Ivermestin treatment, however it's pronounced, he said, by the way, they're doing that in India and Japan, and they've eliminated protocols. <laughs> it's whatever. Coca, can we not talk about Aaron Rodgers anymore? I don't want to do it, okay? I'm fine with just saying, let him be your football role model, the head of your fantasy team, but do us all a favor. Stop listening to people who don't know what the hell they're talking about. Just in general, not just about COVID, it's a great rule to have as you go through life. So many people are full of shit, so many that they say things that are not based on reality. They don't acknowledge when they don't have an understanding of a situation they're discussing. At least when I tell you stuff, I'm telling you what I know and what I don't know, but I'm letting you make your own opinion. Oh, Aaron, just win the MVP. All right, we're gonna take a break. I told you I was gonna watch a movie yesterday and I did. It was called Being the Ricardos. And then after that, we have got to talk about what happened in baseball yesterday because there was baseball news and we're gonna have a lockout update. We'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. How you doing? My name's David Sampson, here with Matt Coca, who's back. Without jet lag. Looking good. Feeling good. Billy Ray. Looking good, Lewis. Uh, you can now rate us on Spotify. So if you're listening on Spotify, please rate. I think they count those. Apple, write a review. Just say that you're a five-star and enjoy it. And then tell your friends about Nothing Personal. So it's Oscar time. So I'm getting a lot of movies suggested to me, and I will get to as many of those as I can. The list is getting much longer. But what I should tell you is that now my focus through the Oscars is on movies that are going to be nominated, in my opinion. So being the Ricardos dropped on Amazon Prime yesterday. Have you heard of I Love Lucy, Coca? One of the things that I thought about watching this movie is it's possible that a lot of people watching don't even know who Lucille Ball was. She was a very, very, very famous actress comedian who starred in a show called I Love Lucy back in the 60s and 70s, I would say. I actually don't know when the, when, when the show ran, but it was something like that. And Aaron Sorkin who some of you are tired of, but I can't get enough of. He wrote The West Wing. He wrote Newsroom. He wrote A Few Good Men. He directed Molly's Game, remember, with Jessica Chastain. Well, Aaron Sorkin wrote and directed a movie about Lucille Ball and her husband, Desi Arnaz, starring Javier Bardem. That's Penelope Cruz's husband. That is the number one villain of all time in your top five villains from No Country for Old Men. I think like Antoine Sugar was the character's name. Javier Bardem is such a great actor. And Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman, who is everywhere, it seems. She plays Lucille Ball. And J.K. Simmons is in the movie, as well as, oh, Coca. Is it Nina Arianda from Goliath and other things? They play... Desi and Lucy, and then their friends, Fred and Ethel. And it's a movie about a week of shooting, which starts with the table read that goes through the shooting of an episode. And it covers the week in which Lucille Ball, in real life, was accused of being a communist. And this was during the McCarthy era when they were having hearings. That was the original cancel culture. I don't want to say original because there must have been cancel culture way before that. But when you were so liberal that you were considered a communist, the government would basically shut you down. There's a bunch of movies about this. We've reviewed a bunch of them. So 
it talks about what happened that week when the show could have been canceled after 37 episodes, and it's a huge hit. It goes through all the executives of the TV industry. Jake Lucy from uh, Love the Coopers and White Lotus plays one of the writers. The movie is fine. The performances by the four actors, which is Arianda and Simmons, Academy Award winner, and Kidman Academy Award winner, and Bardem Academy Award winner. Did he win an Academy Award? I believe that three out of the four have won Academy Awards. I just can't remember if Bardem has just been nominated or he's won. Their performances were fantastic. The writing was crisp. The movie was fine. If you have Amazon Prime and you're not familiar with I Love Lucy, it is well worth your time. He did win for No Country for Old Men. Terrific. He won Best Supporting Actor, I assume, for that. Okay, thank you. So, and J.K. Simmons won Best Supporting Actor for Whiplash. Uh, Nicole Kidman won Best Actress. She may have won it for The Hours. I could be wrong on that, Coco, but I think. I can't remember. It's too long. Being the Ricardos, check it out. Did you see the math yesterday? So there are certain teams in baseball who are doing math all year long, and it leaks out to the press. And the math is that they don't want to go over the luxury tax threshold. The luxury tax threshold is a certain number, call it $220 million, where your competitive balance tax payroll, which isn't necessarily your cash payroll because it counts a bunch of other things, and it, does, and it counts for the fact that people backload their contracts, but it takes the average value of a contract and makes that what is your competitive balance tax payroll. In any case, there is a level where teams don't want to go over because if you go over, you have to pay a tax. It's like going over the salary cap in basketball. You can do it, but you're going to pay a dollar-for-dollar tax. One of the biggest fights going on in the lockout right now is where that threshold will be because when baseball put that threshold in in a collective bargain agreement many years ago, the players didn't realize that that was like a salary cap and a preponderance of the owners would not go over that amount. And the collective bargain agreement called for penalties if you do go over the amount two years in a row, three years in a row, they made it so that if you are a repeat offender, you get crushed financially with picks, etc. But if you are over the threshold and then you're under the threshold, you get to start the clock over. So if you are under the, over the threshold one year, under the next year, and then over in the third year, that third year overage counts as though you've only been over one year in a row. So what you see is certain teams go over and then under and then over and then under. Makes perfect sense. When I'm running a team, I don't want to come close to it because we don't have the payroll. We're a low revenue team. So I'm not worried about hitting that luxury tax threshold. But there are teams which are very worried about it. You remember the Yankees and the Astros last year when the Astros were acquiring players when the Yankees were acquiring players, they made it clear that they were not going to pay the salary to those players, so it would not count toward their luxury tax calculation. So the Yankees, the Phillies, I'm trying to think who else. There were five teams. Astros, Red Sox, Mets, they were all under the threshold, but just by a hair. But in the collective bargain agreement, if you're under it by a hair, you are officially under it. Brilliant. 
why would you go over the luxury tax threshold by only a little bit and pay a luxury tax bill? So word came out yesterday that the Los Angeles Dodgers had a, about a $36 million luxury tax payment to make. And believe me, those payments get made. That is a check, it's really a wire, that comes from a team and goes into MLB's central fund and then gets distributed out in various ways to the other teams. That money means that the Dodgers were unbelievably over the cap. For math purposes, let's say they paid a $35 million tax and let's say they were $35 million over the cap. Just let's say that. That's what I'm talking about. If you're going to go over it, go over it. Sprint over it. Pole vault over it. So not one part of the bar hits one part of your body. I'm in. You are acknowledging like the New York Mets are in 2022. We've got a payroll of $255 million. We're going to pay a huge luxury tax bill. We're going to be that team this year. Good. Great. How do you excuse the ineptness of the San Diego Padres? I've told you from day one that their GM, A.J. Preller, is considered one of the worst GMs in baseball by his peers. I've told you that the owners there have this desperate need to feel like they can be L.A. I didn't say beat L.A., be L.A. They suffer from unbelievable stepchild syndrome. But I didn't realize it was an intellectual free zone at the ownership level. The Padres were charged a luxury tax of about $1.3 million. Why? How can you have a payroll that is so close to the edge and then go over it and that counts as a year that you're over it, which means if you increase your payroll next year, which the Padres clearly are trying to do because they think their window's open with Machado and they're about to be done with Myers and Hosmer, but they've got Tatis signed to the huge deal. They've still got Darvish and Snell and all the people they thought were going to get them over the top last year and didn't. They assume they're just going to get them over the top this year. So they're going to be paying double penalties if they're over the tax threshold in 2022. When you are running a team, you carry around your payroll everywhere you go. You know exactly what your cash payroll is, your luxury tax payroll is. You're aware of all of it. And yet somehow the Padres not just brushed the pole vault stick, they brought the whole damn thing down with them. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, how dumb do you have to be? I wanted them to come out and give a quote that the middle reliever they got to put him over, he was the difference in them winning. What was their record, Coca? Didn't they, they didn't make the playoffs. Tatis was hurt. What did they win, 80 games? I don't even think they finished 500. If you don't get fired as president of a team or GM when you're over the luxury tax and don't make the playoffs, then you must be the Mets. They won 79 games. Outrageous. Almost as outrageous as losing the Redskins plus six and a half against the Eagles. We're down to 169 and 153. Oh, I keep, sorry, WFT. All right. 6, 12, 69. Almost as outrageous as losing when you've got WFT plus six and a half against the Eagles on a random Tuesday night game when, of course, they won by 10. We are 169 and 153. The NBA is playing games today. There's no, hard to believe, 
but there is no, I'm just checking to make sure this is still live and still happening because I need to know. I believe there are still NBA games today. I believe that Adam Silver, when he says they're not gonna halt, are not gonna halt. Wait a minute, yes, there are. And I really like this game. Do you know the Celtics are giving six to the Cavaliers? Quickly, where are the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference? I did this with Mikey Coca. Do you know? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Do you know what ranking they have in the Eastern Conference right now? They're third. The Cleveland Cavaliers. How about some respect? We're taking the Cavs plus six. So I want to stay in Cleveland right now, and I want to finish with something that is, uh, I got into a bit of a Twitter discussion yesterday over, and there's some misunderstanding out there. Side note. Have you ever seen my jersey, Coca, my 85 Expos jersey? I don't know if you've seen that before. It's an Expos jersey that has 85 on it. Back in 2000, first year with the team, it occurred to me that we needed to be at 85% of the industry average in payroll. To be 85% of the industry average, if you've got good baseball people, you've got a chance to win. There's a correlation between payroll and winning. That was my hypothesis. Media, reporters, fans, all make you believe that the more you spend, the better chance there is to win. So please spend money. And they also believe that if your owner's rich, then they're going to spend money. And therefore, your team's going to be good. Well, people in Cleveland are all excited. Their Cavaliers are in third place. The Cleveland Guardians, I was about to call them the Cleveland Indians, the Cleveland Guardians are in a window that is closing, closed. They traded Lindor and they're, they're in downtime, but they've had some great up windows. They run as a really good low revenue team. Their owner, Paul Dolan, who is the son of Larry Dolan, who was, bought the team in 1999, right around when Jeffrey bought the Expos. But Paul Dolan runs that team now. He's been trying to sell a minority share in the team for a while. One of their minority partners is a guy named John Sherman who now owns the Kansas City Royals. You can't own two teams at once. So John Sherman's Kansas City Royals, one side, John Sherman's Cleveland Guardian shares are in a blind trust. They're like in an escrow account. He doesn't get to go to board meetings. He doesn't get to get memos. He doesn't see financials, nothing but you got to sell those shares. So Paul Dolan has been out hiring, of course, Allen and Company with Hank, Green Hank Greenberg's son, Steve Greenberg in charge to sell a share of the Guardians. Well, it came out yesterday. Get ready, Devils and Sixers fans. David Blitzer is this close. I'm holding my fingers super close together to buying about 35% of the Guardians and having a path to control in five years. When we hear about the deal, I know David Blitzer, and that's not a flex. David, if you're listening, hello, do not give that amount of money with a valuation today to take over in five years. You're not gonna last that long. You're gonna want control way sooner. Remember when Steve Cohen was doing a path to control with the Wilpons and then finally they decided, forget it, let Steve take over now? 
If you're going to buy the Guardians, buy them right now. Because you are going to lose your mind being a limited partner of any baseball team. You know exactly. You own a team already in the NBA. You own a team in the EPL called Crystal Palace. Coca, is it Crystal Palace? That may not be the name of a team. Oh, God, I'm on fire today. I read all this stuff during the course of a day, and I try to take as much in as I can. But I'm old. I'm old, man. So you own all these teams, David. You know very well what it is to be in control versus not in control. You know what you treat and how you treat your limited partners. Don't do it. So then word comes out, yeah, the New Jersey Devils. He owns an NHL team. I told you. It's the Sixers and the Devils. They're in the same corridor, not too near Crystal Palace. And he's also looking to buy the MLS Salt Lake City team. I mean, this guy wants to be Wayne Huizinga. David, I love you. You're in. You're a good owner. You've got the money to do it. But here's the problem. The expectations are already so high. People are tweeting, oh, please buy the Cleveland Guardians because you're rich and you're going to raise the payroll and you're going to win because in Cleveland, we have such a low payroll, it's hard to win. The Cleveland front office is one of the top three front offices in all of baseball. They do more with less. And if they had more, it doesn't mean they're going to do more with more because sometimes the best executives are the ones who don't take the lazy way out. The lazy way out is when you can sign Max Scherzer or trade for Lindor. The better way is to run a team where you have to make decisions like Tampa does or like Oakland does. Those are the teams that have the better chance of consistent winning and of keeping their windows open the longest. Now, you could argue back at me the New York Yankees have finished above 500 for 25 straight years, whatever the number is. And that the New York Yankees and the Red Sox have these World Series and Cleveland hasn't won a World Series. You can argue recently, you can argue all of those things, that's fine. But for anyone to correlate a rich owner with a higher payroll, you are ignoring the past. The richest owner when I got into baseball was Carl Polat. He owned the Twins, lowest payroll, along with the Expos. Do you know how rich some of the owners are in baseball right now? Multi, multi-billionaires. And I'm not talking about the value of their baseball team as part of their net worth. And they give you payrolls that are commensurate with the revenues their team has because they don't want to lose money on an operating basis year over year. Steve Cohn's only willing to lose money because it's part of the transaction when he bought the Mets. So fans... What you should be asking for and hoping for is not that David Blitzer has a path to control in five years in Cleveland, not that the Dolans disappear. What you should be asking for is that the front office continues to make smart, good decisions and David Blitzer will let them be. Cleveland's not going to become a high revenue team because he walks in the door. It doesn't work that way. And smart, wealthy businessmen who own multiple teams they're your worst nightmare because they understand that wasting money and losing money does not make sense. At the end of the day, no matter how rich an owner is, no matter when they take over and what team they take over, and no matter how large their ego is, and David's e ego is not large, I assure you, they always operate under the same principle. It's just business. Sorry, Cleveland fans, it's nothing personal.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.